I think than um, anybody I can put a name to to promote our sport. The archer who owns all the world records, John Demmer III. You know, the more difficult a thing is, the more important the mental game becomes. I, I didn't eat any supper yet either. How about you guys? Do you guys eat yet? I didn't eat Oh, that. you know, uh, I have some crunch berries. Grayson oh, Carlo. It's like me taking three or four years off your eyes just because I weakened that prescription in the shooting eye. And don't put everything into my shot that I should, that I get a lot of drop on those heavy arrows. He's dropping all the way down. He said, well, you might want to think about going to a lighter arrow in the spring walking. And that's what got that started. So. people right there there'd be barebow archers at nationals because that was the only right you sat event that they were welcome to at that point um and when you know the the barebow athletes would kind of question like why why when do we get barebow at all the usat series you know sort of along those lines and the pushback from whatever side you want to call it uh, right the, the people that would push back against that mm -hmm. uh the reasoning was always somewhat flawed to me um some of the venues we do have limited space so i can see there being some issues there but yeah. if we want to look towards the growth of archery in general like we've got to come up with solutions for those quickly like if if archery hits a growth spurt right now and it gets you know we get 20 percent growth in the next year's use at like that's a good problem to have to solve in my mind, right? If I'm U.S. archery, I'm looking at like, well, if 20% more people, you know, even just if Fairbow grows 20% next year, right, at the USATs, um, that probably means the membership in general at U.S. archery is growing, I mean, not a full 20%, but right, more more than those 20% of people that show up. And so, right. Um, right i just always push for more more growth in archery in general um just because i have stabilizers and a sight and a clicker um doesn't mean everybody should you know um so it's like go out and shoot a bow and have fun and uh right i want more people to be able to experience a use that event uh because i think overall they're a lot of fun like to me it's kind of like going to camp right it's like this right. little like summer camp and it's like all my friends you know that i see like whatever four or five times a year and get together we hang out right sometimes we'll go play mini golf or you know go to dave and busters or something like that after the events and just have fun um and it's a cool experience. So I, you know, the more people that can experience that and develop a relationship within the archery community, I think will be better for archery in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think that's, that's one of the things that we've been saying for forever, but we get, 
we we have just gotten i don't know i guess it's just it's just this thing with people that they don't like change and they don't like to accept that change is inevitable and they want to hold on to like control i don't i don't know it just there's definitely been some people have absolute open arms um in 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 our circle within you know our the tournaments and usa archery and other formats and stuff and, you know and then there's others that just man they 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 want to f- they want to fight and claw and do whatever they can to to avoid you know people get annoyed with barebo missing the target and we're a little bit louder than than some others and um you know and stuff like that and it's just it's it's a little strange to me you know anything that can be done to grow not just barebow and i think the growth of barebow is only going to translate to bigger growth in other ways and vice versa you know um did you see the submittal from world archery for compound for the 2020 i think it was 2028 olympics did you see that it was 2028 or 2024 it was, it was 28 it's for los angeles yeah I did, I did see that and um what's your thoughts on that yeah i don't mean to put you on the spot but you know no that's fine um i thought it was interesting you know the fact that they chose to go indoors uh seems like logical like because it needs to be different than recurve like in a substantial way right for right. them to consider it um a whole separate sport if you will right. so um it's yeah uh, we will see what happens there right the the ioc the international olympic committee will um have their kind of way with it i don't know how all that whole process works i'm sure it's a highly political one um yeah sure (laughs) and i mean some of it's just space-based right there's only x amount of athletes that can go to an olympic games right that number is not growing as much as the number of sports being added to the games is happening so it's like if they add you know uh 64 athletes right say they you know which would be small um to the games well that's 64 more athletes you got to figure out how to house feed you know move around the venue move around the village um you know the logistics that goes into such a huge event like that i don't think most people you know um some people just go on like well why don't they just put compound in the games it's like it's just not it's just not it's it's not it's not that simple um there are you know like i want to see it happen like don't get me wrong but like i can also see from the other aspect of like it's uh it's an experience you know being in the village seeing like there's just rows of buses all going to different venues all day long. Like, Crazy. Um, yeah. So I guess they only allocate a certain amount of athletes for the Olympics, both winter and summer. And in order for a sport, so compound archery, for example, to be added, they have to make room. If it, they don't already have it, they have to make room for X amount of athletes to be added, which ultimately is going to mean if it's for, it was for, was it winter 2028 winter Olympics? no it's summer is That'll it summer okay 28th los angeles so that the that was the thing to me like i don't know why they don't put it into winter but that i mean that'd be a little weird i guess i don't know would it be i mean i well it'd be an indoor sport yeah i guess that is kind of weird 
but at, at, the, at any rate it means that some somewhere along the lines someone is not there's got to be some justification for for the request i, I have to think um, yeah no absolutely they they uh, um they wouldn't have made the request if if there wasn't some reasonable or rational decision like yeah yeah so whether it gets in as like a, um i forget like a trial event right where they yeah, just trial it in 28 and then they're kind of see if like it's going to continue on in the future um i imagine that's its best hope of getting into the program um my whole time when when i saw that it was indoors i was like oh man like can you imagine the trials procedure especially for the u.s men um going right i don't know if it'll be i don't think that'll be a team event i thought it would be a a mixed team so right an individual and mixed team is what i thought i had read um, it's been a few days now, yeah. but so that means probably maybe only one person per gender per country. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, can you just imagine the trials procedure we'd have to come up with for America's compound men? Oh my gosh. Yeah. To see And like how close and how, I mean, at, at 18 meters, like, how do you, what do you do? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless you just base it off of, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the trials process is so, uh, extensive. So that's, yeah. That's, I mean, the, yeah. the amount of arrows, the amount of arrows shot for, um, you know, recurve the Olympic games is pretty substantial, right? The amount of scored arrows that goes into the whole trials procedure, um, to do that all at just 18 meters and like where most people are shooting are regularly regularly shooting 300 you know because it'd be on a world archery face with a 23 right yeah, it's right, a world archery. right so like right over however many thousands of arrows they want to decide goes into the trials procedure and it's still come down to like a half a point or so you know like um yeah that would that'd be way too nerve-wracking for me um yeah. well it's it's all good I, I well i guess we'll we'll just all have to all sit back and see i know a lot of people are like oh yeah, okay. they, should, they should add barebow they should add barebow and they're like oh barebow is gonna have a negative in, well you're an you're an olympian so do you think barebow will have or or men's recurve or barebow will have a negative impact if compound is added to the olympics i don't think it will personally i think it'll have a negative impact on the growth of the other two disciplines if, if compound becomes an olympic uh sport um probably i imagine so you it, think it's you think it'll have a negative impact on those two on both disciplines or just the olympic recurve I would bet more so Olympic recurve. Um, like right right now, as far as I'm aware, at USAT registrations, Olympic recurve is pretty by and far the largest division. Um, Probably. A lot of that is because people have hopes and dreams of becoming an Olympian, right. um, is my guess. I don't know. Like, um, I started my archery journey a lot later in life than most probably do. Yeah. So, but right. If you're starting at a young age, um, 
it's probably that sort of Olympic dream. If you're going to get highly competitive, right? If you're just, I shoot archery and maybe I go to one use out a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. What, you know, probably not going to affect those kids um, or people. Um, And, um, but yeah, I, I imagine there'd be some drops in the, the recurve side and the compound side would boost, you know, they'd at least go to where it's at least equal. Um, Which is, which would be fine. Um, I got it. I think, I just think for overall purposes of growth of archery, I don't think it'll have a negative impact. Could no, have negative, not at all. Yeah, I, I think, it's gonna, I think, I think the, it'll it'd be the opposite. But yeah, the, the total growth overall, I think, would be net net positive, right? There would be yeah. more growth total. So I think so too. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so small talk kind of got us sidetracked for the first couple of minutes. And I see there's people logging in and uh they're on the live feed here um so everyone welcome back to the barebow project we were just bsing a little bit we had conversation going on i was like ah, i'm just gonna go live kevin he's like yeah no i don't care so we just ran with it um but this will be episode uh 62 with uh our you not team usa paralympic men's recurve gold medalist mr kevin mather kevin how you doing bud I'm doing great. I'm a blast. I'm, I'm glad we ran into each other. So low backstory. I go to um, San Diego, teach a barebow seminar with the peeps, Lee Taylor and company from Lionheart Academy um, and go to Tula Vista. This guy is there practicing indoors at the time um, and just starts talking to all the barebow people. And I'm like, I know you. And then he's like, well, I know you. I was just listening to your podcast with Dick Tone. I was like, get the heck out of here. So I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised when, when you threw that at me. Um, you know, and, and we, we shot the shit for a little bit. You talked to our people um, for the, from the uh, seminar. And then I, I, I did. I threw him a little challenge. I was like, dude, just take the stabilizer and slides off and just start throw some arrows, barebow style. Like, all right, I'll do it at 70 meters like zero reservations and just started banging away at 70 meters with nothing on his bow. And it was, it was quite impressive. No, no joke. So my friend, can you please tell everyone, um, get, let's give us a, a, a quick rundown of your most recent experience here from 2020 and let's start right away. Like how this journey started for you. Um, it, it just getting into archery. Cause I know you, like you just kind of alluded to where you said you started archery late and then boom, few years later and here we are um so you are what you're you are a the 2020 tokyo right paralympic gold medalist are you correct do we have a paralympic gold medalist for the team usa before, prior to you are you not are you the first uh in recurve uh you have to go back quite a ways um andre shelby shot because we have compound in the uh paralympics andre shelby is the rio champion um gold medalist um so yeah we normally do okay and uh these these last two games we did better than okay we we brought home gold so uh, maybe maybe in uh paris we can bring home gold and recurve and compound that would be uh 
phenomenal. So, or maybe a mixed team. Like we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's go let's go to the beginning. Let's talk about your kind of your life getting into this archery thing because nobody. I I don't know if you've ever explained it or got into it anywhere. I know I've never heard the story. I want to know like how did archery come about for you um, at later in life, and what drove you to pursue the Olympics. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So I didn't live too far from Justin Hewish growing up. Okay. And um, I recall like watching him on the news when they did that whole bit of him like shooting across the street and through his garage and his backyard and all that. Like I saw that and I thought that was really cool. Um, I mean, that was what, 94. So I was pretty, uh, I was like 12 ish, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I just thought it was cool, but there was no, there's no clubs near me that I was aware of. The closest range to me that, again, that I'm aware of was the Woodley range in Van Nuys. And that probably would have been like an hour and a half drive, you know, for me, my family, whatever, if I wanted to get involved in that. Um, and so there was just other sports that were more readily available. Um, and, you know, uh, the internet hadn't quite taken off too much yet. So it wasn't like you could just, Oh, I'll find something cool, some local club. Um, so, um, yeah, I've been an athlete most of my life, right. I was, uh, uh the biggest thing like was an endurance athlete. I was a runner and then, um, kind of hurt my feet training for, um, a marathon and, um, still wanted to do endurance stuff. So I got into cycling to sort of give my feet a break. And then, um, then I was like, well, I can run and I can cycle. So I might as well learn how to swim and become a triathlete. And so that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Uh, I was training for a, um, an Ironman in 2009. I was out on a training ride on my bike with some other friends. And, uh, that's, I got hit by a truck doing about 60, 65 miles an hour. And that's how I became paralyzed. Um, how old were you then? I was 26. Okay. Um, so yeah, I spent, I turned 20, yeah, I was 26. I turned 27 in the hospital in August um, that year. And then um, kind of figured out my life, how to be a, a person living in a wheelchair with paralysis and all that. Uh, got back to work, got back to general life daily stuff um 2011 one of my friends who was on that ride with me that day sort of challenged me to make a shot for Ironman Kona in 2012 and I thought he was an insane person when he first brought that up um and then it kind of started marinating in my head and within a month after that I uh I did my first century ride on a hand cycle and I was like oh maybe I can do this. You know, it definitely wasn't fast and it didn't feel good the next day, but I could do it. And so, um, I, I started training for Ironman, you know, Kona 2012 and, you know, you have to, you still have to qualify for it. It's not like anybody can go cause it's their world championships. And, uh, so I qualified for it at Ironman Lubbock in Texas or Ironman Texas in Lubbock, Texas. Um, and then, yeah, 2012, I went to Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, and uh, competed, got second place, 
and uh felt like I was gonna die so um it was uh it was a super awesome thing to get checked off the list um kind of along that way this is a really roundabout way into archery by the way I um no worries I had started getting into alpine skiing um it's something I really enjoyed when I was walking around on this earth and uh I didn't think I would love skiing again I thought pushing around in the snow in a wheelchair doesn't sound like a fun idea like yeah. just being cold like all the extra clothes you have to wear like sitting in your wheelchair it's like it's just funky it's not fun feeling it, it just seemed like a horrible idea to me but finally some of my friends talked me into coming into this adaptive camp at Mammoth Mountain and like within I don't know the first half a day I was like well I love skiing now so um all the other you know crap of having to deal with was worth the cost of ripping around on the mountain so um I started skiing a lot uh after Ironman so right late 2012 and into 2013 ski season um and just uh got comfortable like independent skier like could go just rip around the mountain by myself without fear of like eating crap and needing somebody to pick me up or something like that yeah. and uh i was out there in the the u.s ski team uh the paris ski team was there and i was like there's a really a lot of mono skiers here what's going on and uh you know, I run into the coach and he's like, oh, you can come rip with us if you want. Like, maybe we can teach you some stuff, yada, yada. So I hang out with them for like three days. And then the coach is like, you know, we do a camp at Mount Hood in July. Um, if you want to come out with that, it'd kind of be like a trial run to see if you would want to ski with the team. And I'm like, at that point, I was like, I don't really know. Um, I was kind of going through a divorce and life was a little messy. And uh so that was kind of the reasoning like uh, I told him no straight away but then like as I got home like a month later I'm like my, my life's kind of messed up right now like maybe sort of a fresh start sort of feeling wouldn't be the the worst thing that could happen to me right now so um so I went to that camp and decided that yeah I'd, I'd be happy to join the team and uh and the end of 2013 I moved to Aspen Colorado um where the beer flows like wine and uh had a uh spent five years you know from well four years 2013 to 2017 you know I lived in Aspen and skied uh almost every day of my life for a while there so um while I was there I got plugged in with Craig Hospital which is a huge spinal cord rehab facility a spinal cord and brain injury rehab facility in uh, the Denver area and uh, I started volunteering there, you know, mentoring uh, newly injured patients, um, you know, kind of showing them wow. like, hey, your life really, really sucks right now, but it's not going to suck this bad for that long. So, um, right, I would bring in my mono ski or my mountain bike and or just, you know, sharing like videos and stories, and, like tips and tricks on how to do things easier and more efficiently um right like just showing people like that i drive a normal truck like right i, I drive a ram 1500 and you know everybody's like oh i'm gonna have to drive a, a minivan with a ramp and stuff like that i'm like no like you can like you know for most people obviously some people if you have a higher injury like be difficult but um you know just showing them it's not it's not as bad 
trust me, it's not good, but you can sure. still do awesome stuff. Um, and that's how I got into archery was I was volunteering there. Another volunteer had his bow with him and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go rip some arrows after this. Like, you want to come to this range with me? And I'm like, sure. Sounds fun to me. Um, <laughs> right. And just started shooting with, you know, a little, uh, like Sam Sage rental bow or, you know, something along those Crazy. lines and, uh, just kind of shooting and, like, I thought I absolutely sucked, right? Because he's shooting a compound, not like a full-on target compound, but, yeah, you know, kind of like in between a hunting and target compound is kind of what he was shooting. So he's shooting like, I don't know, probably like 292 to 298 games. And uh, I'm sitting here trying just to keep things on paper at 18 meters, right? I'm like, man, I suck at this so much. And, uh, and I had no clue, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm shooting a bare bow, like, that's also not like a great fit for me like because yeah, it's not pretty low, short yeah. low end uh, even it doesn't yeah low end beginner yeah. type stuff yeah with like bent old arrows and stuff like that you know and i'm just range like, arrows <laughs> yeah i'm like man i suck at this he's like no dude you're doing really really good for your first day and i'm like really and i'm like i'm like look at that down there and he's like yeah that's good and i'm like sure thing and then so I kind of just got the bug you know I uh every time I'd come down and volunteer we'd go shoot and uh we we kind of like had a handicap system right where it'd be like okay I'd be like if I was 30 points down from him then I won or you know whatever it was and then yeah. whoever lost was buying dinner um and just did that like uh I kind of got the bug enough to where I wanted to buy my own equipment I found a, a used Ion X um, at the local shop out here that was just on consignment or something. Got a killer deal on it. Had uh, no idea what sort of pound limbs limbs to order, so I just guessed and ordered some limbs off uh, Lancaster, and uh, those came. And uh, I shot that for a little while, and then uh, I broke my middle finger on my left hand, and I'm left-handed, so that was my draw hand um and i couldn't bend it like that like it was bad yeah. um i like dislocated the whatever that the middle the main knuckle there right and uh i was like well probably not shooting archery ever like at least left-handed and recurve i'm like maybe i could go to compound or something um and i was i was still living in aspen at this point so i didn't really care like archery was just a fun thing for me right um and so I went to like a hand surgeon and he's like, it's pretty messed up, but I think it's going to be okay. Um, he gave me a bunch of like physical therapy stuff to do. And it took like a year for me to rehab my finger. And I remember I was, uh, he was to have me like flex it and stretch it all the time. And so like, anytime I was at like a stoplight in my truck, like I would just be doing my little routine. And like one time I was doing it and like that knuckle like cracks, like a normal, like good knuckle pop, you know? And I was like, Ooh, maybe it's, maybe it's good enough. I could try shooting archery <laughs> was like my first thought. And so, uh, I started shooting again after that and that was 2017. So I, I originally started shooting in like 2016 or like end of 2015 shot for like three months, broke my finger and then it took like a year. So it was like 2017 when I started shooting again. And, um, like that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna, in my mind, I was going to be a two sport athlete and I was going to shoot archery in the summer 
keep skiing in the winter and uh, just kind of go back and forth um, and like overlap train, you know, throughout the seasons. But, um, but yeah, I, I shot my first outdoor tournament in June of 2017 and I still have this score uh, scorecard on my fridge. I shot a four fourteen, um, and uh, uh, what'd you say? That was outdoor. Yeah, outdoor seventy two arrow round. Okay. Yep, seventy two arrows four fourteen. With I mean, I forget. Not a ton of misses, but definitely not zero. Um, <laughs> and like, there was trials for world championships that year. And, uh, so my coach, I was working with Chris Duro out here in Colorado and he's like, well, you got to go shoot that. And I'm like, you see the score bud? Like, yeah. going. <laughs> um, and, uh, so he's like, well, let's at least try. And I'm like, okay. Like, oh, and then, um, he kept telling me, he's like, well, what's it going to take to get you to commit to archery and sort of, uh, forget about that ski racing idea you got there. And, uh, like, I wasn't having it. I love skiing so much. I'm like, that's not an option, really. Um, and then finally, like, I, as I started progressing, like, I was, like, seeing that archery might be a thing I'm more successful at. And uh, so then I'm like, well, if I make this world team, I'll quit skiing. Um, like, that'll be big enough, right, to be able to make a world team that quick. Yeah. And um, That's incredible. Yeah. So then I go out and I shoot the trials out in Salt Lake City. Like, um, it was insanely hot. Like, and that feels turf, right? And like, the turf just makes it hotter. And um, like, I, yeah, I I came in third. Like, barely came in third. But uh, I tell um, so. Eric Bennett is now a good friend, teammate of mine, and I tell him it's his fault that I'm this deep in archery because uh he took that year off more or less right he had uh eric eric works uh full time as a like physics teacher more or less and uh high school physics teacher and you know so it's a lot of work for him to go he went to the rio games and right that's that's pretty rough on his lifestyle right uh, sure. to be able Absolutely. to maintain the training all that so so he took 2017 off if he didn't I wouldn't have made that team is pretty much what would have happened. And uh, I wouldn't have been fully committed to archery. So it's, it's kind of his fault that I'm uh, all the way committed to the archery. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that was my first, I, I mean, that might've been my first U S archery event. I, Cause I did not shoot Arizona cup that year. And I don't think I shot, I didn't shoot Gator Cup that year either. So I, um, my ghost in there. It's my yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's my I, uh, It's okay. <laughs> I shot that. I shot trials. And then the next event was um, the Windy Windy um, Nationals in Indiana. Um, and yeah, that was, so, so yeah, I believe that trials was my first like legitimate tournament. Hmm. Um, and crazy yeah it was pretty pretty interesting you know we went um i didn't shoot so hot individually there i i qualified all right and i think i uh i went out my first match like it was close but i went out um 
and then um but team rounds i was able to to put two arrows together per end apparently and uh, it uh we went to the gold medal match and we we lost uh to russia on the gold so wow. it was, you know my, my first international event you know to walk away with the silver um after only that, shooting archery that, for what what were you a year not even a year a year yeah somewhere you know somewhere around there depending on when you say started um because i break my finger and taking that hiatus there uh, right, right somewhere around there um yeah it was pretty it was pretty awesome um lots of uh that like just motivated me to want to get better right nice so what did that journey look like then to that journey to want to get better what was your you know where did you start how did that how did that progress who were you working with etc cetera, etc cetera. sure i um so over the years i uh, wanting to learn more and know like right at some point i knew i didn't really have goals when i went to that first world championships i was just like i'm gonna shoot archery and whatever happens happens um and then in 2018, I worked with Mel Nichols a bit, mm-hmm. and he um, right suggested I get some sort of mental game program ideas going. Um, so then I went and worked with uh, Troy down at Mental Management, um, and uh, darn dogs, man. <laughs> and uh, so I worked with them 2018, sort of got things set up like. Uh, established some goals and things I really wanted to accomplish in archery and then basically from there that's when I started really getting after it because I'm kind of a I'm not kind of I am an all or nothing kind of person yeah at some point in time that comment would have come up because everything you've done involves an extreme amount of commitment whether it's the skiing the you know the triathlete the um it's all i mean i guess it is extreme stuff but the level of commitment to be good let alone very good you know like uh you were doing um any like those like races and taking the everything it takes to take care of your feet and your recovery and like there's so many facets to being good at those items so the fact that you come to love archery and then realize like um what the commitment is to be a gold medalist like it's no surprise to me after like learning that background that you eventually became a gold medalist because it's in your nature like there's you can tell that it's it's something like the you have a driving force to continue to want to get better until maybe something new comes along i don't know but like you know what i mean Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. You know, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it took some time to, to figure out how, how big of goals I could set in archery. Right. And even, even when I was setting them, um, there's still goals I have that I'm like, Oh, that's going to take so much work. Right. Um, the, I believe the hardest goal and if Eric listens to this, he'll appreciate it. The hardest goal I have is I want to have all of the para records, right? World archery records 
paramenry per all at the same time like right i want i want to pull up that web page and it just be kevin's face um <laughs> the hardest record to beat i at least in my mind is eric bennett's indoor 18 meter 600 round score which is like a 594 wow it i think it better be four because if not it's a 596 and that's really really tight um uh, i can probably i could probably look that up real quick but anyways yeah that's an, that's that's, that's, that's smoking man oh yeah it's Holy crap it's wild right just sitting there lobbing arrows um right he's a mouth tab shooter yeah, and he he can't i think he can shoot a 19 is the the biggest arrow he can get to tune out of his bow um right he doesn't shoot a lot of you don't really want to shoot a ton of pounds when you're pulling it back with your teeth um so yeah that one's pretty smoking um eric bennett 592 92 oh good I got two extra whole points. Two extra whole points. He set that in 2015. Yeah. Um, that is that is just so impressive. Yeah, and I'm pretty. He did it. I thought he did it at indoor nationals, um, wherever it was shot that year in New Mexico or something by him. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's hot. So uh, the rest of them are like. Um, so I have all the FIDA ones. I have all five FIDA ones. Um, okay. Uh, the double, the double 72 outdoors, I think is like obtainable. It just takes two kind of calmer days and to be shooting like, yeah, there is a lot of variable in, in the outdoor, um, and like the outdoor rounds. Yeah. You know, the, the single 72, it's like in the like 665 or something like that right now. So that's, um, that's, it's definitely not unobtainable. Like I've shot scores like that in practice, um, when I'm, when I'm really training well. Um, so it's, you know, and the, the 25 meter indoor round, I think is very breakable. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, like, right. Paralympic, uh, when I was setting my goals, right, Paralympic gold medal was on that list. And, uh, right, when you set goals that large, it, it comes down to one day. And so if I were to set that and say, I'm only shooting Tokyo and then I'm done, like that would be unrealistic, right? Um, at least in my mind, it's like, are you really, how much does that goal matter to you if you're only gonna give it one attempt? Um, so my plan is at least shooting through Los Angeles. So I would have Tokyo, Paris and Los Angeles. Um, so three attempts at that was what I was giving myself. Um, I'm very pleased to have done it on the first one because now there's not that big pressure on me to, uh, right. If we got to LA and I hadn't even podiumed, I would be like, Oh man, this one's really got to go well. Sure. Um, so while while the pressure the pressure for the first one isn't there the it's it's i've said this a million times 
it's easy to get it's easier to get to the number one spot it's a hell of a lot harder to maintain it because it's a higher level of commitment and training and but go ahead i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off no that's fine like so i realized that even my first my first like real international season was 2018 um so we have we have a world event in dubai that's a pretty large tournament yeah um that year i went to that and i won that um and i was not the dude to win that uh right i i qualified kind of middle of the pack um i think some of that was helpful like i wasn't a great archer yet like i was pretty good but um i yeah i was i was yarding back a lot of weight and i had some fast arrows and we had some wind that helped me out um so um that worked out i I went straight from there to the mexican grand prix um mexican grand prix is fun because at least back then we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming years here um now that they've changed the timing but I was able to shoot both lines, you know, just like at USAT. So I'm able to shoot the, as a para athlete and also as a senior athlete, senior male. So um, I got to shoot both eliminations. I got to shoot um, with able-bodied athletes. And I went to the, the quarterfinals, not the semis, as an able-bodied athlete. Oh, right. Nice. And then, um, and one of my, uh, one of my friends, uh another american was the guy who knocked me out it came to one arrow shoot off and it was like an inch away from each other and he was tighter so um right that was super fun but on the para side of things at that tournament you know there's less competition within the americas so i was kind of like the guy right i probably qualified 30 points higher than anybody than the next guy yeah and uh so it was kind of like i was expected to win and that gold medal match was like tighter than the Dubai one because I was it was just like this pressure of like yeah dude you should be winning right now why aren't you um you know and so and I hadn't really developed a mental game at that point so it was just kind of like uh yeah my environment was kind of affecting me right more than it ought to so it was uh, I think it's a lot of people that gets a lot of people in, in all yeah. facets of the game and all levels is that that environment and it, and it can simply be the environment of standing on a shooting line. It just gets people. And, you know, and that this, this may end up being a segue into that. So the discussion that we had out in San Diego, you know, of like, where do you put, where do you need to put your brain in those moments? Like, what are the things that you need to do? I mean, I don't, if you, we can keep going. I just, it's, it seems appropriate because you like, why don't you just, why don't you speak to that point of where does your brain go now in these, as Larry Wise states in moments of high personal value, where does your brain go in those moments i mean it's it's you're you're an international uh athlete you've competed at the highest level you possibly can at this point where does your brain go in those moments um it adapts to where it needs to go 
and that like right throughout my shot cycle like right when i when i start drawing back my bow i have very specific thoughts and things i'm looking to feel when i when i hit like right and it's not you can tell when somebody's like new to archery right or if they haven't blended it yet right it's like um right if uh they look like a robot when they're shooting right if it's kind of like oh yeah i do like right if they're using uh you know the, the national archery you know nrs whatever uh nts yeah nts there we go um nrs natural ranking system there's too many acronyms um right they're like oh, okay so here's set set up load anchor like right this is janky looking like um which is like a great way to dip like those are all just words to talk about the part of the shot we're at right, right. and it's like but you should those should be blended right it should be like when an artist like blends some like colored pencils together right and they just sure. integrate it and you're like oh i can't tell exactly where green ends and blue starts like it's this and so like um that's my shot so it's it's not like i'm thinking about every little micro step um but sure. in between right so this is an example of me adapting to my me controlling my environment and not letting it control me when we were at tokyo um, even while we were practicing, there'd be other athletes around on the practice range and I'd be sitting there shooting and I'm like having, like, I'm feeling good. Things are great. And like somebody would call out another archer's arrow, say they like shanked one. Right. And it's like, Oh, six. And like, and if I'm at full draw, like my next shot, like it maybe wasn't a six, but it wasn't a 10, you know, it was like out there. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Um, because when you're at right the olympics and paralympics every turn or every match you shoot is in the finals venue right it's right. it's not like you get down to semifinals and then you do that like no every single match is in the finals venue you will have an announcer announcing every arrow right it is the whole deal right so i was like well this isn't good if the person if anything gets announced like right um if you if your head's clear and something gets put in there right like i don't want the word six or five to be in my head when i'm about to draw on my next arrow yeah so while i was in the finals venue like when it was time to shoot archery like i would shoot if i was shooting first i'd shoot my first arrow and then like looking at the wind and whatever i was deciding on um wherever my next aim point was i was planning on it being I was just chanting that in my head and even slightly out loud, like, and I'm closing my eyes and I'm focusing, like I'm, I'm visualizing like my aim point on the target. Sure. When my opponent's clicker would break, that's when my shot in my mind would break. And I'd see that arrow go directly at that aim point. Right. And then like, I didn't even hear there's a buzzer that goes off in between like when, when they shoot and then you go to shoot, like, I didn't even hear that buzzer. Like, my arrow hitting the target in my mind in the 10 ring was my cue to start shooting. So then I would open my eyes and try to recreate the same thing I just saw. Um, That's impressive. So, right. Because there was times where like my opponent shanked one. Right. Yeah. And that could be where your, your life falls apart because it's like, Oh, they oh, just yeah. shot like a seven. And then you're like, Oh, let me show you how to shoot a six. You know, yeah. like, um, <laughs> 
Gosh, so, it's so true. Yeah, oftentimes in those moments, it's 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 really not falling apart. Is you know, and this happens World Cups, you know, Olympics, Paralympics, like um, you know, you'll see it where it's like the scores shot to get there are really big. And then all of a sudden on that final stage, sometimes it's not, not the best performances. Yeah. It's just who held it together the best. Yep. Um, or who guessed the win best, depending on the, the situation. But, you know, my, my experience, it wasn't so much win. Like there was a little breeze here and there, um, like enough to move aim points, but uh, it was rain. Like it was, one match dumping rain um i mean even end to end where it's just pouring rain and then just kind of a light sprinkle and then right you'd come out to your next match and it's dry like not not the ground dry but it's, the air's dry and so you're like you'd have to come out in your first arrow you'd have to guess how high do i aim you know like do i aim you know at 12 o'clock eight you know like because i'm not just yarding on my sight like guessing um so i knew if i aimed off you know up and down you know held over i guess and uh then i can at least control it with more precision so yeah it was uh, so now now that you have been down this road i know you've been traveling you sh shot how did you shoot all the usats to date uh this season yeah okay um are you finding are you shooting senior or are you shooting para uh when we register we get thrown into both so oh you do okay yeah are, are you finding now you've got this this seasoned competition callus built up because in relative in retrospect you're still a relatively newish shooter I, I not newish by 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 i'm not saying that in regards to your competition experience it's a little bit of a different dynamic for your experience but you know, are you finding that you're building a callus or maybe a level of tolerance to those moments now that you've been involved and you're shooting more competitions, shooting against um, more and more your a higher level of competition, being in that senior um, able body class that's got to actually probably help more than anything. Um, yeah. You know, is, that, is that stuff making you better, making you more confident? I think so. I mean, it's, I've kind of treated this year as kind of a cruise control year. Mm -hmm. um, again, since I'm an all or nothing sort of person for Tokyo, um, with COVID interrupting things, like I was on a path of training and seriousness and then COVID hit and we're like, oh, our trials got postponed like a year more or less, like, right. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of took off that year I was like, I can't train at this level for an extra year. I will go insane. So I still shot archery, but I like, I got out my compound and I started, like I shot a lot of like 3D um, and stuff like that. I shot nationals in 2020. I shot it recurve and compound. Um, had a blast doing that. Um, like I never really knew what target panic was until I started shooting compound um like with a especially when i shot it with like a six times scope i was like oh yeah that's that's exactly the target better feels like okay um now now i know 
but um so i just had fun and again this year like right when i when i got into tokyo and it was happening and trials were happening like i um like i i really cut back on uh sort of like any drinking or uh i cut caffeine out of my life like like zero old turkey i'm not a i'm not a huge coffee guy but i do like sodas a lot and so uh like cut cut all the cokes out of my life and uh yeah no no coffee no um it was a little rough like the first two or three weeks but then after that i was like um i was actually in uh florida and uh zach garrett was rooming with me and we kind of had this like two bedroom sort of hotel set up and like he's out in the like kitchen sort of area and i came out of the bedroom like dude i had a dream last night and he's like no man those don't exist that's not real (laughs) because he's he's fueled by caffeine right he's like a coder guy so um I'm like, no, actually, if you get off caffeine for like a month or so, like you can actually have dreams. Because <laughs> uh, I was just so anti-caffeine, like not knowing it that uh, like I had never slept deep enough to have a dream that I remembered. It was wild, oh, wild experience for me. That's um, Dude, right? I drink so much coffee. I drink so much coffee. Probably way more than I should. That's for sure. Yeah. I should awesome. try that. I should try that. No, it's not awesome. It's terrible. I should, I should try that. So I'll, I'll give it up. Uh, I'll give it up right before, uh, like a month out from nationals here short, shortly, I guess. I but like, know. it's going to be a rough month for you. So ah, maybe, maybe, not. maybe I'll start now. Maybe. Yeah. I was going to say you might maybe give not. it like six weeks. Um, if you're planning to peak for nationals, cause you just might be still grumpy by the time if you did it four weeks out. Um, but but right so i went you know all out for tokyo and then um so i'm kind of relaxing now right i'm uh i'm still i still shoot and stuff like that but i'm not shooting three four hundred arrows a day um any of that stuff i'm you know if i get two to 250 in i'm like that's a big day for me now so um right i'm not I'm not hoping to hit the best scores in the, the world this year. Like I'm, I always have the mindset of I'm there to compete. Like my qualifying hasn't been amazing. Um, I've had some great matches, uh, at SoCal. Uh, I got to shoot against Justin Hewish in our, it was our second match. That's funny. And, Just, uh, Justin commented. He, he's, he's, I think he's watching right now. You know, up, Justin. Um, uh, that's cool. You got to shoot against Justin. He's, He's an old, old friend of mine. He's a good dude. Yeah, uh, he's he's great, dude. And uh, I'm loving all those pictures he's posting from uh, the games. And I'm like, dude, he he didn't age at all. He looks exactly like that. Um, but yeah, it came down to a one arrow shoot off, so it was uh, awesome. it was a blast. Like he got me, and uh, I I mean that was just so much fun for me to do that. Like that was like this like sort of dream moment come true. I'm like I never shot against him before. That was oh. like the first time. So it was, uh, I was, I was really stoked for that. Um, but yeah, I'm going, I'm actually leaving for Czech Republic on Thursday. We have an international event. So I, uh, before we got on here, I was out tuning a backup bow and, uh, really been, um, like, um, been working with the Whiffler plunger a good amount and trying to, um, I've always thought it was a good idea. And I just never 
I never put aside time to really get to know it, you know, um, the biter had shot since I'd started shooting. So I kind of know where it wanted to live. Like, right. Yeah. Like this is, this is your home plunger. Like, you know, where your home is and, um, (laughs) shooting the whiffler because of how that thing ramps up like exponentially on the the plunger tension. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just didn't know where to start it out. And, um, I was shooting at my house here. I can shoot at like 40, 45 meters. Um, and so I was shooting and I think I got that bow tuned pretty decently well. I was shooting some nice groups. So, um, that's kind of this year, this I'm using this year to like tinker with stuff too. Like, um, I've got different grips, you know, I have my grip that I shoot. Um, and that's what I shot at the games and everything. And I've shot that more or less since 2018 um but i'm always i probably have like 50 grips oh wow ones i bought and ones i've made and i just like i'm a tinker right i was a machinist at one point in my life so i really uh you know it's not hard for me to think of something and like try to create it and and so yeah it's it's a wild obsession i have unfortunately but um i'm trying out the brady grip right now you know the jaeger brady Mm -hmm. grip uh shout out to paul he's a sponsor of the podcast yeah good dude and so i um when i first got that i put it on my bow and i like grabbed it and i'm like this feels real funky um because it's very narrow and angled compared to my grip and but then i like when i actually shot it i was like oh that feels pretty good actually so um but uh yeah i shot that in florida for the first time and i didn't realize it had sort of changed my draw length like at, at blank bay at home i was like oh yeah that feels great yeah, and I get the outdoor shooting, and I'm like, man, I can't get through my clicker, and like, my clicker's pretty far out to begin with, so like, I didn't have much room to move it out, and then I'm like, yeah. struggle bus and get through the clicker, and just had a rough tournament, and like, I just, I didn't realize it, you know. So um, that's why you mess with equipment in years where it doesn't matter, folks, kids, everybody, <laughs> don't. Or, or off seasons when it doesn't matter. Now, I mean, I've watched. I've watched Demer on numerous occasions messing with equipment literally like right during the tournament with zero concern over what happens or how, and I mean, but he also shoots with a different level of, of, of confidence with making those adjustments on the fly. Like, like very few people can make those adjustments that John does in the mix and, sure. and whether he comes out like with flying colors or, nose dives the one thing that he that that is a common denominator he does it doesn't care either way i mean he's not gonna be like happy but he doesn't care like it doesn't affect him because he's just yeah. he, he realizes like you know i'm not gonna think about an arrow that i haven't shot yet and i'm not gonna think about an arrow that i shot previously i'm just gonna take care of business right now and he's just he's such you know he has that ability to do that in Baraboe for the rest of us out there. Like, like right now I'm, I'm tinkering, you know, new arrows playing with a plunger, uh, uh, a change in the plunger. I'm shooting a whiffler as well. Um, and you know, Baraboe is just so such a finicky sport though. Like just because we don't have the accessories, we don't have the site, we don't have all that stuff. What you found out, you know, you got to play, you didn't get the aim, you weren't aiming tip of the arrow, you're aiming in a different fashion, but it definitely, um, 
it definitely has its like like quirks that you tune your bow to respond to your shot the way you anchor your head position because it changes everything so drastically oh sure well i mean we do that believe it or not we do that too right like the way i anchor is very different than the way like brady and jack anchor right like i have a pretty long jaw like right where like they don't as much have like a pronounced jawline or whatever you want to say it so like they can anchor back over here, right? In mine, like if I was there, because I can't turn my head like this much, like just like the way I sit in my chair and the way my body position has to be, like yeah. I can't turn my head that much. I'd be shooting like through my chin. So like I'm anchored like more or less out front, um, but I'm still able to achieve alignment in that position. So, um, but like, right, like there's different face pressures. There's different, um, like, right, if you look at, jacob wookies like the shelf he shoots on his tab i'm like dude what what is that he's like that's just what i shoot and i'm like how um like right so it's all like all that little stuff like how much um where your finger pressure is at on your your draw hand right like it has taken me i still to this day if i'm working on something it is working on drawing the bow with my top finger like I often will like come to anchor if the clickers, like if I stop moving my shot and I'm stuck, my body naturally wants to start grabbing the hell out of the string with my ring finger. Yeah. And that's like, that's not a good way to let go of something no. when you're trying to clinch onto it. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's one thing I'm still working on is like really just setting that hook on my top finger and like, really just driving with my back and letting the hand just be where it is and like when i do that my shots break so much more crisp and clean i'm like oh maybe i should just do that every time that'd be cool say say, Um, can you can you say that again but say it more specifically about your shot because that like i i've caught myself saying almost that exact phrase to shooters that i coach say that again well about about you know leaving your hand and just letting that string pull through your through your fingers so like how can you describe that moment a little bit more detail sure well it's it's almost like i have to imagine it because in the moment i don't even know what happens so Mm -hmm. right i'm i am focused and this is again with the benefit of a clicker but if i were to shoot barebow i would shoot a shot triggering mechanism would um (laughs) so i I set my hook pressure, right, intentionally, right, knowing that when I start drawing the bow, tension will be added to my middle and ring finger, Sure. right, like, as the string angles, like, that's going to happen, so I intentionally, I try to envision drawing the bow with my top finger only, right, Um, and, right, I know I'm doing well if I can, like, get the anchor and kind of wiggle my ring finger a little bit i'm like oh yeah that's just kind of along for the ride yeah like the middle finger takes up a good amount of slack but like um, if i can butch johnson-esque uh hook yeah i'm not that i'm not that crazy i'm not like <laughs> all right we don't need that finger um but um, i i tend i focus on the tension on that top finger and to me that really helps me engage my back um because again let me try to move over a little bit um if i'm pulling with my top finger 
My yeah. arm's going to be more or less here, right? right? If I start pulling with that bottom finger, it really promotes that, right? And now we're pulling at this angle. Like in my mind, again, I'm no physics professor, but if I want things to go well and me impart the less amount of crappy movement on an arrow, I want my hand to go exactly away from the arrow as the arrow's yes. going that way. Yes. If I'm doing this, like I have to be imparting like this force on the arrow. Sure. And it's probably going to be less consistent. So, um, so I focus on that top finger and I'm at anchor and I just focus on moving my hand by moving my back. Like, right. I'm not yeah. squeezing in here. Cause like, that's again, if you're adding tension here through the right. shot and then also right. in the clicker, and then, then you have to force a release of a, 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 like pluck. A, I don't know. Sure. Like yeah. I call it, I call it in my mind, I call it a let go versus a release. Right. Sure. It's like when I'm here and this just happens, like that's just releasing tension yeah. when I'm here and I do that, it's like, I'm actively letting go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just focusing. I, I try to focus on building tension that needs to be built in the shot. And if, like, right, I'm trying to be as lazy as possible. Like, where there needs to not be tension, I don't put it there. Like, yeah, that's great stuff, man. Um, there's a carry, there's carryover. There's, there's 100% yeah. carryover, in my opinion, of Barabo with everything that you're saying, you know, with exception to the clicker and maybe even the hook a little bit, you know, because we're three under, we don't have that squared um, string angle from above to below the knock. You know what I mean? We're three yeah. under and stuff. So there might be some finger pressure changes there but you know that's not it's nothing incredible um but no i that's why i wanted you to elaborate elaborate on it because i think you know like barebow archers uh, the vast majority of new barebow archers specifically i should say like we really complicate the shot the archery shot and like I, I and i think we talked about it a little bit when we were standing in our little huddle there at the training center like i try to emphasize the people like let the bow do the work. Like don't get in the way of the bow. The bow is going to shoot that arrow perfect every time, providing you are just the facilitator of the shot. So make your, your shot process and your form, make everything as repeatable as possible, almost as simple as possible. Don't get in the way of the bow. And, you know, like people are trying to do all this extra stuff, these big, like dynamic bow arms and big, huge releases and they're you know and it's sometimes like less is more and you know just the way you said it you know you could tell like you're it, it's kind of the same principle it's probably pretty much the same but just maybe a little bit more probably a little bit more dynamic shot to it because of the fact that you have a clicker and that clicker gives you a signal that it takes a some of the get it takes the not the guessing game but it takes a little bit of the necessary determination out of um, the conscious mind staying in the shot so much longer, like it doesn't barebow, you know, that it allows you to just finish the shot strong and, you know, you're, you're going to be repeatable. Um, before, before we go further, John Winker uh, made a comment. I don't know if you know, John, he's, he's a, a owner at first flight archery in Raleigh, North Carolina, USA team barebow 3d member. He's yeah, this, he's, he's a, he's a good dude. Um, but he put, I heard the para team score requirements are so high that it'll be nearly impossible to field a full team going forward. Is that true? If yes, how does that happen? Do you, uh, that, I think he's, he's probably talking about women. Um, I, I don't, don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd have to elaborate there. So the we have like certain standards we set to make uh, to make the team right because it's there's not like 50 people trying to make the team right. So uh, especially for some divisions, right? Compound men like things are are fairly competitive where that kind of just sorts itself out. Yeah, especially yeah. for the top three, um, right? For um, like, I've got to watch like what sort of rabbit hole I go down here without trying to like be offensive to people. But like, compound women right now in the U.S. for like para archery, like the the scores that we have set would land you internationally, right? The score we have set to make the team would have you shoot about mid-pack internationally. Okay. Right? So that's just what it is, It um, right? It's like a six, I'm gonna miss the number, 662 in that neighborhood. Okay. Right, so, um, right, the compound women's world record is like in the 690s, right? Like maybe 695 plus like it's it's up there right so um it's it's like trying to bridge that gap and like uh, once we made those scores and we i don't set those like right i we talk about things i'm on the the para council um but right when george riles was our coach like that's kind of when we reevaluated like the scores were kind of like mismatched all over the place and then we we, we looked at it and sort of came up with a standard like okay there you, you need to shoot within the 60th percentile of your division internationally and that's going to be the score like across everything across men women recurve compound like oh, yeah. that's just the score so um i think uh a lot of the women have like stepped up their game because of that and um it's kind of cool. like right we had a new national record at socal right martha chavez shot that so i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah awesome like they're working to to meet those standards right and so that's um we also have a, a a program now where it's like if you shoot the there there's a mqs to go to the paralympics right that world archery sets right because they don't want some people going there and like shooting the jumbotron right so um so if you hit that score right for for us archery like you will have two years of like ability to go to camps and international events and get it's kind of like a, a bridge right where it's like okay say if you're a new archer and you start getting and then you hit that score well now you'll open up a new level of support and you have two years to be able to hit the the actual team score right so um I, I get his question and all that, and and we're working on it, right? It's it's probably not a perfect system, but we have those are our thoughts and ideas. Yeah, people have better thoughts and ideas. Feel free to contact me. Yeah, share uh, them. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's there's so many changes coming and how, changes just with the bareboat stuff and the USAT stuff. There was, you know, so many opinions, and you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, and you're not going to maybe you don't get it right the first time. Um, you know, people. Yeah not to don't be so polarized on those topics and just offer suggestions or step up and try to help. And maybe you can, you can, um, you know, maybe, maybe you can help move things along in a, in a positive light. I didn't realize you were involved in, in all of that other stuff. I, and maybe in, in, 
my own admission, I didn't realize there was that much other stuff. Like the athletes were involved in these other minis, these meetings and other topics and things in relation to qualifications and, and, the, and committees. And like, I, I don't know, I don't know if people realize how much is actually involved in that and how much that's, how important that, that aspect is. And that's like behind closed door stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, um, the athlete council, right. Um, the, the reps, uh, I know Paige Pierce is a rep, uh, Brady's a rep. Leah Coriel is actually a rep, even though she's a, a, a para athlete, she is the able-bodied rep, um, because of how the, the boating worked and stuff. Um, like, right. These people put in like lots of time and effort to like represent athletes to us archery, right. Is kind of their role. And right. They it's, it's on, like, you can go to the us archery web, website. You can look up, okay. Who's, who's my athlete rep? Like, okay. I'm a, I'm a compound shooter. Like I'm going to go talk to Paige, Right. Yeah. Um, I'm a recurve shooter. I'm going to go talk to Brady. Like, um, like if I'm a, a, a para recurve shooter, like you can talk to me or Eric Bennett, uh, like, right. Yada, yada. It's all I don't think that. we have any verbo reps. <laughs> I don't think you do either. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's something that, um, you might open up that conversation with, I don't know how that process Maybe. gets started, like through, um, right we there's other things that mandate what we need because of the u.s opc is involved with things um but like as as barebo grows like i don't see you guys um i think it'd be a good idea if there was at least one barebo archer sure. that could be right uh you know john demers yeah. he's got extra time on his hands so yeah yeah um, oh yeah john's got all kinds of, well yeah. between fishing and you know and fishing and fishing. Yeah. <laughs> no, he probably doesn't have that much time on his hands. But well, I mean, I, I think there's other people. I think Robbie Weisinger would be a good one for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Robbie's Robbie's a young, guy. young guy, um, super. Or Matty Yaka, even. Or, yeah, or Matty, you know. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I look at it from, from that senior class representation. No offense to Matty. I'm not saying. I'm just saying Robbie, Robbie's going to be in that senior class a lot longer than myself, longer than Matt, longer than, you know, um, yeah. it, you know, somebody like Robbie, in my opinion, would be a good representation of Barbo in general. Um, you know, so USA archery, Rod Metzer. I, I mean, I know those guys probably aren't watching this, this, uh, this podcast, but like they, that would be something for them to consider for sure. Um, so you know, what I would do is, uh, I would bring that up at the meeting in at nationals, right? I forget what it's called, but when, when all the athletes are able to, I don't know if they're doing it virtually this year, or if they're going to do it in person, I would imagine they do it in person. Never, um, never, never been invited to that one. It's in an email that goes out. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't look at those emails. <laughs> I probably, well, that's not their fault. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. But it's not, is that, like, do you need do you need a personal handshake from Rod Manzer to show up? No, uh-uh. no, I would. I mean, because I've up I've shown I, up I to all that. of them. Do you really? Yeah, it's important to me. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm you know you're 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 schooling me on it right now, Kevin, and I kind of I find I kind of feel like um, 
there's a more of a responsibility to go to it now. So I, I'm not, I don't know if I ever saw that in the email that goes out before nationals. Yeah, I can, I mean, I can send it to you. So that way you're I'll aware of it, it and you can uh, yeah. broadcast it to the, the Barebone Nation, right? Like it's, sure. um, I think there's people that want to get involved and they don't know how. And well, that's, that's uh, that might be how where I was going with that is like for barebow purposes specifically. I don't know if that's something that's been in the forefront of hey, we want someone from barebow to come and be at this meeting and and let's talk, you know, or be be present or represented. Do you yeah, know absolutely. I'm like in, I mean, especially things like I mean, there's stuff that needs to be done, like um right for your guys's trials procedure right for like you know world games and or like uh outdoor fields stuff like that like how who is signing off that your trials procedures are acceptable on the athlete side of things right i don't know that answer they they could be shopping it around to people and um i don't like i don't pay attention to barebo like the rules and stipulations there because i don't compete in it like i I'm very well versed on what my trials procedures are like and right. Do we need to adjust them next round? Right. Do we need to adjust the bonus points? Do we need to change the timing? Do we need, are we, you know, and I don't, I, I try my best to not look at it selfishly. I try to look at it as like, what is going to be the best way to determine the best athletes to go. And, you know, having a couple you know, representatives, like we bounce things off each other. Like I thought, you know, for um, the Pan American Games, right, which is kind of like a continental Olympics, yeah, um, right, we'll be selecting our team for that next year, and I really wanted to change the bonus points in a way, and, you know, one of my fellow uh, representatives was like, you know, if you do that, like, we're only sending one athlete per division, he's like, if you do that, like, and that person wins, and then they get these extra bonus points. Like, so whoever lights it up and qualifying on those two rounds is going to be the person. And like, then I did all the math and backed it out. And I was like, oh yeah, he's right. Like, and then I, we, we, we didn't change it. So um, a whole bunch of stuff like that goes on behind, you know, not necessarily closed doors, but like, right. The people that sure uh, people that decide to run, like when they're selecting athlete represent representatives, um, there was only like four or five people that ran for it. So, you know, out of however many hundreds of people shoot these things. So, you know, it is a job. It is like, it requires effort and dedication. And like, oftentimes it's thankless, like, right. Um, But for me, like I came in with the attitude of things are nowhere near perfect. And there's, there's reasons for that. And then there's, also like excuses for that right and like some things u.s archery can't just change because of reasons right like they can't just make safe sport go away and like i'm not saying safe sport should go away but like right some of the like some of the wristband stuff and all the nonsense like they don't want to do that either like right um but it's a requirement that they must meet um and so they do it and you know so um but there's other aspects where it's like you know just just because we've done this this way for 10 years like doesn't mean 
we need to continue to do this this way and maybe we can do it a better way like right yeah. and so that's where yeah you know i i try to get involved on that level and think of things and you know i know a, a, a big area of uh, debate i guess i wouldn't call it contention is right they do want to grow these usats and they have thrown out the idea of splitting you know the the joad and the senior master divisions and it's a it's definitely a hot topic yeah. and people have very different opinions on either side of the fence of that um i i I don't know how we grow these use hats a bunch without that happening. Um, and my one thing, um, right. Hopefully people listen to this and they, they make it this far. Um, right. Imagine if at every use hat we could have team and mixed team rounds. Um, right. Because if we had just senior and just Joad, we could probably do that. I see um so right so the, dri the driving force behind that is to provide a higher level of experience for those international <laughs> competitors yeah well right. and to and to grow the events and grow the right event. yeah. i okay. mean because we're running like arizona cup we're we're done we're out of space like yes, i've heard that right we can't that thing sold out early they had a bunch of cancellations right um and they they wound up right doing okay but there's still people that would have shot that event that didn't because it was sold out um right our other venues are, are a bit bigger um yeah. buckeye stage yeah i don't know what gator uh, cup looks like gator cup's not we we have some space but not a ton right like um so it's all stuff to think about and it's um it could we could if we were able to to split them right i think the the main people that get that are on the opposed side and i'd love to hear people's opinions about this like come talk to me like come to like come talk to your athlete reps come talk to most people in u.s archery are, are fairly approachable if they're not in the middle of putting out a fire right so um Right. The more the more feedback they can get about things, the better decision they can make. That's best for everybody. And um, but right. If I was a parent that shot the senior division and I had a child that shot in Joad, I would absolutely not want them to split it. Yeah. Um, what percentage of people that is? I don't know. But I mean, we could have a we could have a better schedule for both, you know, Joad and senior. Right. You could. We could shoot, um, right? We qualify Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and like be out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they might be able to get everything in, you know, Saturday, Sunday. Do like, I don't know, official practice Friday and then Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. Um, but right, if that could save you a day that you, you don't have to burn a vacation time, um, right? And an extra hotel night and all that stuff, like, yeah it, yeah it probably absolutely. make most people happier for sure yeah. and uh, hey the cost of travel is getting any cheaper it no, doesn't exactly you know it's it's just getting frankly it's getting worse so it's going to have an adverse effect in in many ways absolutely uh, so, so the way they could do hey man i think what we're going to do is we're just going to um um 
elect you as the barebell representative right now because <laughs> you're you're uh you're kind of like fringe part of the community now anyways and you know we, well you know i could do it at least so heck yeah heck yeah well you know it, i guess the other part of that man is you you're taking a approach to the sport you just uh, correct me if i'm wrong like it's like just leave it better than you found it and yeah. you're you know you're you're head in to training and becoming an olympic gold medalist and like you're taking a much higher level of personal um investment into archery that is well beyond olympic recurve it's 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 helping barebow and people i guess it's one of the and I, I did not know all of this prior to us recording this podcast but you know that came across um just through our communication you know and now all of barebo not all of barebo but like those who are frequent you know yeah. followers of the podcast and stuff they're gonna realize like you are doing much more for barebo and you're not a barebo shooter per se you've played around with it but it's you know, you're representing Barebo in a way that we don't really have anyone that's willing to do that or able to. I mean, I've done it kind of involuntarily working with Rod and and I played a huge role in the USAT thing. That's a long story. Sure. Um, people don't even know about they, that. That was all because that was just all off, off the, off the, uh, out of the, the limelight behind closed doors discussions how, you know, trying to help them like come up with a plan because yeah. nobody, nobody knew like, cause they're not Verbo people. And, um, but a lot of people don't know that, that, you know, they, they think by commenting, some people think by commenting on USA archery posts, complaining that we didn't have Verbo and USAT was going to get us in USAT. That's just not the, yeah, case. it's not the way it works. Not how you do so it. For, yeah. <laughs> for, for all the, the Verbo shooters that are going to come and shoot uh, Buckeye, please 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 like if you miss the target don't be embarrassed go let somebody know like tell a judge because at that venue specifically right yeah they comb that field as best as they possibly can right jason and the the, the field crew out there pistol, yeah. um if they find an arrow out there after that event is done we are not shooting at that field again Right. They don't want some kid playing soccer the next weekend, slide tackling somebody and getting an arrow jabbed in his thigh. So, um, right. If you miss the target, make sure you let somebody know. And if you find that arrow, make sure you let somebody know. Um, If you don't find that arrow, make sure you let somebody know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. We we had that discussion uh, on a previous episode. I I don't remember who I was talking to about it. Um, And, and it was, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Most barebow people, if they do miss the target, that arrow doesn't sink in far enough for it to get lost. It's not going sure. that fast <laughs> and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's hitting this way. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's, um, but yeah, that, so that facility, and a lot of people don't know this, like that facility is ginormous. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a top notch facility and, Jason, you know, and I've talked to Jason personally about this. Like, they realize, like, they want Barebow to come. They're like, "Listen, come, bring everybody." But please, yeah. everyone understand, like, this is 
it is it is crucial that like if you miss an arrow you can't not look for it and you can't you can't um ignore like if you lose it you can't find it you have to you have to report it because it's it's a field it's on well-groomed soccer fields i i i guess is what it yeah essentially is and those fields are going to be used immediately after the tournament so um yeah there's there and i know that was always that was a big point for the barebow archers out there to understand like how difficult it was and some of the the, the things that we needed to get past in order to get barebow more involved in a bigger way and the usat stuff you know that's that's that was one of them that's that was a, a something sure. that was discussed for multiple venues, you know, obviously like Chula Vista is not an issue, but yeah. you know, um, these other places, you know, and like I said, Buckeye that, that they can hold, hold an endless amount of shooters. I think yeah. Mason told me like some crazy number. Um, I don't need like 5,000. Yeah. It's even, a big, it's a yeah. big facility. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you have any doubts, like put bright pink, uh, wraps on your arrows yeah like literally i would like my my hunting arrows like i could see from a mile away uh make, yeah, I make have white wraps on mine yeah 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 you know do something you know help, yeah, help no, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and that's again that's advocating for barebow people don't, like that's advocating for barebow we don't we don't want problems we don't want issues we don't want sour grapes we want to yeah. go there we want to be professional don't hoot and holler while people are on the shooting line that you know yeah. who you are um you know like like don't do those things you know try to keep it as professional as possible have a good time have a great time be as loud as you want in between um, yeah but, exactly you know there's there's this we have to start looking at with the growth of barebow that we've had and unknowingly thanks to people like yourself advocating for barebow you know, you have to start looking at it like we're not, we're not just like the the redheaded stepchild, pun intended. Um, but we're, you know, we are, we're we're growing past that. We're a valuable asset now, and we have to realize that we have to, we have to have a professional presence in in, in the same time. And sure. stuff like the arrow thing, like that's that's a professional presence. It's not. It's no longer just fun and games. I mean, it is. It is. Sure. Have fun. No, no, no. I, game, I, I get but, the point. Yeah. And, and that's a good way to think about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, basically there's there's ways to get involved. And as, as deep as you want to get involved, as much work as you want to do, they will let you do the work. So, yeah. um, but I, I will... Um, I'm curious about that bearable representation on the athlete council. Um, I don't think it'd be a bad thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, let's keep in touch. I mean, we, we've, you got my number. We we've been texting about the podcast. Let's, yeah. let's look at that a little bit deeper. And if there's a way that I can help or in any way, obviously I would, um, but we'll, and we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll hook up at nationals as well and talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Perfect all right man well dude we're like an hour and a half into this thing already that's crazy <laughs> i told you i talk a lot no. yeah well i do too <laughs> by nature yeah. the beast so all right man well thanks so much for joining me and and having the discussion I, I feel like we have so much more that we could probably talk about we might have to we might have to circle back and have a have another discussion maybe we'll wait till after nationals and 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 talk about how things go and and whatnot make sure you swing down by uh 
if you have time, I don't know what your schedule's like, you know, at nationals swing down by the, the bare bell people and just to say, Hey, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I hang out pretty often, you know, pretty late. And, uh, I, I love watching archery, you know, I, I kind of see who, uh, who's still in what matches and stuff. Obviously I have, you know, the closest relationships on the recurve side, just cause we're around everybody. Um, but I, I have good friends that shoot compound, you know, I've got some good friends that shoot barebow. So it's not like I'm, uh, you know, I love all archery. Like I can tune a compound bow. I can tune a recurve bow. I can, uh, I've, I've helped some people name Matt Yaka tune their bow. Uh, right. <laughs> it's, um, it's all archery, you know, it's, it's all, uh, we're searching for, you know, a form that's repeatable and a piece of equipment that is as forgiving as possible. Right. So, um, other than that, it's just a stick and a string, you know? Yeah, buddy. All right, man. Well, listen, you have a good night. Um, appreciate everything you've done for us. Congratulations on all your accomplishments up to this point. Uh, I can't wait to see what your journey happen, you know, uh, includes as you move forward. And uh, as always, if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, so where can people follow you? you know where what social media are you on um if they want to get in touch with you or whatever where where would that be what's the best play yeah uh it's mainly instagram uh i'm i'm pretty low-key i don't like uh i'm pretty lazy there like if 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 i get sent a message on there i'll answer it but i i if i post once a week that's normally doing pretty good for me i go through like little phases where it's like a couple in a month and then i take a vacation i'm like oh yeah i should probably do that um but uh yeah at para archer um with two a's in the middle so para archer um is me and um yeah and uh any uh any tournaments you know this this year i am trying to bring my medal around to all the usats if anybody wants to see it picture with it any of that stuff um obviously not when i'm on the shooting line but anytime after that feel free come on up say hey um, get a pick, something, I'll sign anything, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's awesome stuff. Appreciate it. Hey, and MJ Rogers, he was in the comments the entire time. And I didn't get to tell you. MJ that said guy. that guy. Yeah, he goes, he good, he said, good to see a rooster like early on in the uh um, but he said he did comment. He's like, the annual members meeting is open to anyone, and you can speak to the uh the BOG. Um, ask for ask any questions you want. And uh, I said that the athletes will rep rep the athlete reps represent all regardless of style of equipment. So, you know, for like the people you mentioned, you go to them, the, their representative, their representatives of all of us, regardless of whether you have someone involved in barebow or not. So, gotcha. so you guys, that means you can see rooster with your questions and complaints. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Send them in. I'm, uh... That is my goal, right? I do want to leave archery better than I found it. And so, right, growing barebow is in part of that uh, mindset for me. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'll do what I can with what I can do, you know. All right. Well, you have a good night. Thanks again. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. It's fun hanging out. Yep. See you, Kev. Bye. See ya. Bye.